how y'all doing today? Take us down, DJ. Take us down. Take us down. Yes, yes, yes. How y'all doing tonight? How y'all doing? Okay, so y'all doing silent. That's a new emotion. See if we can get Facebook to add that. Right. So we're going to try this one more time. How y'all doing tonight? I want to know how did it become a standard to scream. Y'all could have said we're doing okay. Y'all could have actually answer. What made y'all think that y'all need to scream at me when I asked y'all how y'all was doing? Okay, I was just wondering. Y'all ain't had no response for that. So in case y'all haven't been here before, like uh, world famous, our DJ Self Warren told you, uh, this is Tech Beats and Bites. Um, we decided to come to Winwood Yard and do more than just party and drink, but we wanted to educate you guys and share some knowledge. And, of course, the easiest way to do that is promote it as a day party. People come and drink, and then we just start talking, and you get engaged and entrapped, and you're like, damn, they actually saying something worth listening to. Mm. So you stay. But uh, while you stay, make sure you make your way to the bar. Make sure you make your way to Brazilian Fire. Make sure you make your way to House of Mac and all the other food trucks that's in here serving you tonight. So, my name is Michael Hall, and I'm here with my guest tonight, Latoya Sturb. Give my guest Latoya a round of applause. <laughs> guest host, that's my host. Uh, Latoya, why don't you tell them a little bit about what we're going to get into today? Mm. So, today is all about film. We have some phenomenal panelists with us. It's going to be so exciting. I can't wait to hear what you both have going on, because we're going to dive into it. We ready to get into it? Almost. Okay, what you want to talk? Go ahead. Just a couple of topics real quick we need to get out of the Ooh, way. Before we talk about film. Yeah, we, we got to... Um, Hot topics. Bill Maher went ahead and apologized. Did he? Yeah, he apologized. Um, but Ice Cube checked him. What did he say? Ice Cube was like, that's our word. We own that word, and we're not giving it back. So I just want everybody, if you don't watch Bill Maher, you don't know the topic, uh, right. they really got into it. That was uh, real exciting. He actually had uh, Eric Michael Dyson on there, too. Mm -hmm. He talked to him about it. Uh, just wanted people to understand the pain of using the N-word in any way, shape, or content. Uh, I know a lot of people see other people using it as a term of endearment, right. but the history behind that word has a lot of derogatory elements to it. So Exactly. And <laughs> side note, when I was a little girl, my dad had me write a paper about it because that's when the N-word was kind of hot. Yes, yes. And he overheard me on the phone, and he was like, wait a minute, I need you to write a paper mm. about the N-word and why you should not use it. No, so, use it again. Wow. Yeah. yeah. And then, um, you know, we had... Comey come out and testify. Uh, told us a little bit about that other dude that's running the White House. So um, we just want to be honest on this stage. You know, no alternative facts. We will not edit out anything you say, so be truthful to yourself. I know all y'all are in film. We not beeping nothing out, so please refrain from using the F word because with other content you understand that's the one word they will beep out. Uh, everything else is open. But um... Let's go ahead and get into it. Uh, we want to introduce our guests, but we like for our guests to introduce themselves. So keep it brief because they can learn about you later. We want to get into the topics. But ladies first, why don't you tell us a little about yourself? Oh, okay, thank you. Um, hi, everybody. My name is Kathleen Dean. I'm the producer for the Miami Fort Lauderdale 48 Hour Film Project. I'm also a producer for Black Cat Media. I do um, documentary film. I'm an educator and. Uh, helping to um, build and change communities up in Fort Lauderdale through arts programming. Awesome. Yes. Come on now. I appreciate that, Elijah. That Take was, and lead. That was Learn beautiful. that from your mama. Your mama is great. Yeah, my mama there, so you Yes, know. yes. Uh, hello, everyone. My name is Elijah Wells. I am a 19-year-old filmmaker, born and raised in Overtown. Give him a round of applause. He did not get arrested, and he is here. Yes. Don't yes, he no did kids. not get arrested. I didn't yes. get arrested. Yes. I know I got dreads. Don't be scared. It's all right. Don't be scared. I, I had to cut mine. I yeah. appreciate keep them, man. I did it for you. I, I appreciate you. that. I you appreciate know. that. 
Boy, you were slick with it. I know. <laughs> uh, but I am CEO of Elijah Wells Films, and um, I'm just blessed to be here, you know, next to these amazing people. Mm. CEO. Let's C talk about that. 19 CEO years at 19 old. years old. Actually, you yeah. started when you were 17, That's what though, I was right? Ask. How long? Actually, no. I, I started really when I was like seven. Whoa. Yeah. Now I feel lazy. No, it's okay. Talk it's about right. good parenting. Yeah, yeah good parents. Shout out to my mom and my daddy. But my mama here right now with the camera phone yes. over there. <laughs> With Film. the blue, with the blue uh, sweater, my shout out to her. Yes, Martha and Wisby. Yeah. So seven years old. What exactly were you doing at seven, Elijah? Seven years old. Um, I was really uh, watching movies differently. Um, you know, uh, what I used to do is go to the behind the scenes. You know, the features, the uh, directors talk, the you know, really behind the scenes of how movies were made. Okay. And then I used to watch the movie and be like, okay, that's how they did the angle. That's that actor. That's the director. And from there, I just was you know, interested in film because that was something different. And knowing, you know, there's not a lot of, it is now, but it's not a lot of, when I was growing up, I didn't hear a lot of African-American directors, African-American, mm -hmm. direct, you know, writers or producers. So that really was something that intrigued me because, you know, society, you know, society wants me to be a football player, a rapper, a producer, right. whatever. Nothing's wrong with that. But I didn't want to be the norm of what an African-American man should be doing. So I was like, yo, film is, is where it's at. So. Mm. All right. Kathleen, tell us a little bit about, because, you know, I ain't even going to lie. I know y'all heard 48-hour film project. Even if I was reading it, I was like, oh, man, she do the first 48? Right. <laughs> Word association. Yeah. I was like, oh, damn, we're about to hear about some murder. So, so since we know it's not the first 48, but it's the 48-hour film project, tell us a little bit about the journey you took to get there. Okay, well, um, we do have some murders in our films. Okay. So <laughs> but we are definitely not the first 48. So the 48-hour film project, it's the oldest time film competition in the world. It takes place in 130 cities around the globe. I've been fortunate enough to produce it here in South Florida for the last eight years. Mm. And um, our mission is to get people who've been sitting around talking about making a movie to actually get out and do it. So we impose this incredible, crazy deadline of 48 hours on them. We give them a couple of uh, props to get them going, a prop, prompts, a line of dialogue, a character, a genre, mm. and um, did I miss something? And a kickoff. And we actually kicked off here uh, June 2nd at the yard. So um, from June 2nd to June 4th, we had about 400 people in the community making short films. So they, they started off Friday night. They completed them by 7.30 on Sunday. And then we had uh, premiere screenings at the Little Haiti Cultural Center. And we're going to have our award celebration this Friday up in Fort Lauderdale. So a question for both of you, um, with technology, I've seen some people shoot a full video or a short on their iPhone. Do you think with, is it just the, the knowledge and the interest of film, or is it the accessibility to equipment and the actual you know, software to edit that's making film more of a desirable element right now? Well, I think that everybody has a story to tell, and I think it's awesome that the equipment to tell a story is more accessible now. Um, I like to tell my students there's an African proverb, and it goes something like this. Um, until the tale of the hunt is told by the lion, it will always glorify the hunter. So I'm like, okay, you lions need to start telling your stories. Mm. So the you know the project that i do and the, the there are a lot of other organizations in the community that help to facilitate storytellers to get out there and tell their story through film and yes it does help that you know you can buy a camera for 
a couple of thousand dollars, right. or you can shoot high definition on your iPhone and tell a beautifully told mm-hmm. story. The hood proverb I remember is nobody remembers the gazelle, but um, <laughs> that's just the, <laughs> that's just the aspect of being, <laughs> being hunted. Uh, so, Elijah, uh, self born wanted me to ask you this question. Mm-hmm. So, just know that's a warning that I'm about to ask you some warning. stuff that's going to be real controversial. Okay, cool. So, this Cheers. is a, a self born question. Um, Cult films, 40-year-old virgin, um, things that people are into. Why do you think a lot of our filmmakers get kind of stuck in a genre or a type versus creating stuff that reaches a larger larger audience? And since you've been watching films since you were seven, you could think about, uh, what was the one with uh, Vote for Pedro? You guys remember that movie. Nacho Libre. Yeah, Nacho Libre. You know, things that are kind of cultish, but they're, they're very unbiased. They just, they, they attract a lot of people, and you watch them over and over again. Like, the reason why I'm saying 40-year-old virgin, because it was just on, and I'm just thinking everybody knows that movie. Mm. They know a line from that movie or something like mm. that. Uh, Adam Sandler used to make a lot of those cult-following movies. Mm-hmm. Why can't we make cult-following things that just relate to people in general versus seeming like they're so targeted just for our people when it's made by us? Well, the first question somebody asked me was, um, what type of filmmaker you want to be? <clears throat> they were saying, do you want to be a commercial filmmaker or you want to be a artist filmmaker? Um, and I didn't get that. I thought, oh, are we going to be shooting commercials? Like, no, I don't want to do commercials. And then he was telling me, I was like, no, commercial as in, do you want to be in a blockbusters, theaters, you know, all these, win Oscars and all that stuff. Do you just want to do it for the money, basically? Right. Or do you want to be a filmmaker that do it for your people, the art, you know, really, you know, do outside screenings and just tell a story that people need to hear. And it took me a while to understand that because, again, you know, a lot of filmmakers out here, yes, we have that creative side of just want to tell a story about us or tell any story that's an awareness, but it's also like I still want to survive off of this filmmaking, you know. I don't want to make a film that I'm spending $20,000 to make and then I make nothing out of it. So I just spent $20,000 and it's not going anywhere but, you know, different community events. But now you got to get to the point where does money really, does this is why I'm here for the money or is I'm here to tell the story to bring it out to the people? So that's where a lot of people are getting their head, you know, messed up at because you're, you know, we're not, I'm not a Spike Lee or, or Steven Spielberg to where I can just say, yo, I'm going to make a million dollar movie, get $20 million back. Right. You know, I'm here making films. All my films are really things about my community, you know, and I'm not scared to say that my community over town, shout out to over town, is beautiful. You know, I don't need nobody outside source coming in telling me that. So you really have to think about, and these filmmakers have to think about, am I going to do it for the money or I'm just going to do it to tell my story? So you yeah. just feel it's the story that you're telling. It's the story that you're telling. So that, really that's what you got to think about. And now I realize that, yes, I do want to go commercial. I do want to live off of this, but I also want to tell the story. And then you got to have the, the galls to look at these studios' faces and be like, yo, this is my story. This is what I'm just like Moonlight. Like, you've seen the success that had. If the nowadays how Moonlight happened because what's happening now in society, that's really how it got kicked off and where it was at. And the director, Barry Jenkins, I bless that man. He had the goals to be like, yo, I'm going to write this independent film. I'm going to kick up my money, get with my, my sponsors, whatever, film it, and then push it out there. So, Kathleen, with your film project, and I, I mean, I know Toya is going to have about three questions right after this. 
how you feel you're inspiring that or what are the things you're really trying to see changing in the industry right now? Well, we're, we're connecting people. So we're bringing together people who have never met, maybe some people who have no experience with people who have 20 years of experience in the industry. And they're, they're teaching each other and they're collaborating and they're making films together. So I think we're, we're changing the landscape by enabling uh, more people to get out there and make movies. And we also have a, a direct link with Cannes, which is one of the premier international film festivals. And it's where many filmmakers go to sell their films. So every year our organization sends 10 films to Cannes. So we're giving you know, great exposure right. to our filmmakers. Awesome. Um. Yeah. Go ahead. No, I was going to say a quick correction, because it wasn't Nacho Libre. It was Napoleon Dynamite. Yes. The wrong N-word movie. But um, really <laughs> quick one. question for you, Kathleen. I know we were having a sidebar conversation, and we were talking about how Paris is one of the largest cities that participates in the 48-hour film project. Sort of why is that, and why isn't it as large here in Miami, being that you're based here? You know, what's some of the dynamic of doing the project working in different cities and relating to the community. Talk a little bit about some of those challenges. One, one of the biggest challenges here, well, 60% of the people that participate in the 48-hour film project are professional filmmakers. So we had something here called film incentives that you know help to facilitate Oh, those the are the industry. things that Skeletor took away. Right, exactly. Also known as Governor Rick Scott, right, just in case right. y'all don't know so, who Skeletor is. That was a bait question, because I already knew where she was going with it. Go exactly. So, so when the, the incentives went away, so did the industry. Production companies were going to other places like Atlanta, like New Orleans, where they could get some support to make their movies. So naturally, the filmmakers followed them because they want to work and feed their families. So Self Born was about to ask you this, but I'm going to put it out there for the crowd. Self, I know what you was about to say. Really? Do y'all know what incentives are do y'all understand film incentives in the crowd break it down unpack that okay so film incentives are the basis of basically bringing an industry or bringing something where you're going to get different tax returns and different benefits so we used to have film incentives in the state of florida but they were taken away from us because governor rick scott wanted to apply his money to other things that were benefiting his friends and i'm just going to be as raw with you as possible so if you start looking at some of the legislation and you follow the money you'll see the money started taken away from this industry. But along this journey, what you started realizing was film wasn't just making money for the people shooting film or the people being in film. It was the hotels, it was the hospitality, it right. was all the high-end service because now you had celebrities. So if you really want to know why the club scene in Miami isn't doing as good as it used to do, it's because celebrities no longer have incentives to be in Miami like they used to. So it wasn't just that Miami was hot. It was that Miami was a hot place to actually film. So they would come here, film, and that's why Jamie Foxx and people like that were down here all the time, because they were shooting movies. So when we took away the film incentives, Louisiana and Georgia were two of the biggest states that picked up on it. Right. So that's why almost every film you see Will Packer doing in that, at the end of it, it says something about the state of Georgia, and you see that Georgia peach, and you don't see nothing about Florida. I love New York. It's because you got a selfish governor that's running this state that took all those incentives away from creatives because they don't see the value in the arts. Yeah. So while you sitting at home during midterms, not voting and thinking that a presidential election is the only thing that's going to affect you, you're losing when it comes to things like that. Exactly. So get and out signing and vote. into Elijah, because you are based in Miami, mm -hmm. and the idea about incentives, how do you find your funding to do what you do? Family, um, friends. That's the best thing I got right now. Mm -hmm. um, but I am in New York right now going to school at New York Film Academy. 
But, um, yeah, I can say funding-wise is, you know, family, friends, and people really that, you know, support me around in the community, different, you know, companies. Shout out to Florida Film House. Uh, I want to give a shelf's plug out there. So shout out to them. Uh, but, yeah, really family, friends, and community leaders that really, you know, support me and, you know, want to do something more in the community. Have you explored any crowdfunding for any of your film projects um, or creative projects? I actually tried to do... Oh, I forgot one of the crowdfunding um, things for one project I did, but um, not not really um, because I know they have a thing where you don't you know meet your match and they take it all away and it's all this other yeah. crazy stuff. Well, Indiegogo has an yeah. awesome project where you can do mm -hmm. a flexible one with them. So even if you don't reach the full max, mm -hmm. you can take whatever you do raise. So mm -hmm. you should definitely keep that yeah, in mind yeah. as you work on your projects. Appreciate it. Yeah. So Kathleen, as you said, that now that we've lost these incentives and there's there's really no value of flying your celebrities from L.A. to Florida and shooting in Florida and paying all the extra taxes and everything. What do you think we need to kind of revive our film industry in South Florida? Well, we definitely need to bring the incentives back. But we AKA also... get rid of Rick Scott. I wrote that down in my notes. Okay, got it. We also have a we we have a lot of people here that are not going to leave, who are you know determined to um, do something right here in South Florida. So we need to support the local film community. Um, a lot of the colleges brought in uh, film programs, Miami Dade, University of Miami, Nova Southeastern University. They're all expanding their programs, and you know we have people who have the skills right here in the community. So, and. I like to tell my, when, when, I was, when I'm in the classroom, I like to tell my students too that, you know, you need to look at other avenues too to utilize the, the filmmaking skills that you develop in film school because not everybody's gonna be Spike Lee or Elijah Wells. Oh, okay. But you're gonna have people who are going to produce commercials that are memorable and mm -hmm. change people's minds and, you know, so there, there are, advertising agencies exactly. there there are so many other opportunities to utilize those storytelling skills tourism in florida is a big thing tourism and make a living doing it right. so you need mm -hmm. to you know expand your your outlook and look for other ways to utilize you know filmmaking techniques since y'all have said his name do you guys know i'm sorry not this table not you marco i'm telling who can't answer this question um yeah, that'd be it. Not you either, cameraman. Dante, you can't answer this. Do y'all know who actually shot the first digital film for mainstream? <laughs> Come on, man. So did y'all know that Spike Lee was actually the first person to shoot a major film in digital? And he was looked upon because basically he was taking away the art of shooting in film because he was shooting digital. But if you go back and look at things, well, not She Gotta Have It. I think it was actually Do the Right Thing was mm -hmm. the one he shot. You go back and look at Do the no, Right Thing, it it's was, in HD. I mean, and it's, it's beautiful. The like, what he did with that was amazing. So don't ever forget the people that you see on this stage are also the people that were pioneers in a lot of the industries that get ignored. But Spike Lee was the first person to shoot in digital and they actually criticized him for it. So always be willing to step out the box. Now, with that being said, uh, one thing that I feel is kill killing the film industry goes into the TV industry also a little bit, but uh, everything that starts with the words, the real, <laughs> or some city, <laughs> has started to brand and tarnish us. How do we get out of this circle of coonery on camera to make money? How, how do we leave that circle? 
Well, too, and that depends on if you think it's coonery. Some people may not. Yeah, you're right. If you relate to that, right. you relate. I mean, I watch it. Trash TV is great for when you need not to, like, drinking. Yeah. Yeah, so coonery is like, very relative. Break. Exactly. It's a good alcohol. But, I mean, how do we get out of that circle? I seem like... I feel like we're limited. No, we're out of it. We're in the golden age of television mm. now with Breaking Bad and all of these incredible um, series that are on Netflix and Amazon, um, House of Cards, mm-hmm. uh, Orange is the New Black. Orange is the New Black. Right. So is the goal that Netflix will kind of kill out mainstream TV? Because, I mean, I feel, I feel people, the fact that... You have to create now for the small screen. People are not tuning into TV like they used to. That, right. those, days are, those days are gone. Because I was going to say, the fact that you allowed somebody to release a song that says Molly Percocet, and that, that drug itself is now the drug that's responsible for more deaths than automobile accidents and homicides, uh, which if you guys don't know what I'm talking about, we're talking about opioids. Opioids are now responsible for more deaths than homicides and car accidents combined. So, and right up the street is opioid uh, rehabilitation capital, which is also known as Delray. Um, People fly from across the country to come and recover. So I'm wondering, if you look at the, I call them the seven dwarfs, the main people that control media, um, you know, the CNN on Fox and all that. If you're allowing somebody to push a song that's praising a prescribed drug that is the number one cause for heroin addiction, if they're going to allow them to continue to push out stupid rap music is what I call it, because I think that's just a very irresponsible song. No matter how dope the beat is, it's an irresponsible song. How do we start controlling the visual content that's reaching our youth to make sure that they're influenced the right way? Because I think a song will influence you so much, mm-hmm. but I, as me as a person that's a visual person, the things I see impact me more than any song ever would. Want to tackle that one, Elijah? What do you I, listen I, to? Because what's uh, on your I, I playlist? Listen, I listen to the song. Don't, don't get, I listen to um, Future uh, Mask Off. Is that the song he's referencing? From um, I mean, me me growing up, uh, my mom she never let me listen to anything um, when it comes to rap. Or, Your mom I, is I was, amazing, by the way. Like it, it's a quick story. My brother he was going for this um, TV show. It was called Prank. Um, and we, I think he had to prank, um, I believe it was Trick Daddy or some, some rapper, but he didn't get the part because he didn't know anything about Trick Daddy, any, anything about the hip hop world, anything. Mm-hmm. Um, but to answer your question of how can we, you know, you know, stop that from happening or, you know, ma- mainstream and all that stuff is really, we, we as people have to just create the content to go out there because right now as you said Netflix, Amazon, even YouTube they're looking for content to right. just put out there. You know, theater not saying the theater is going to die out, but theater is not where it used to be where in theater it was when you go into a movie, it was like a it was like an event, it was a concert. Everybody all the seats was filled, you know, but now we everybody sit on their phones. They go on Netflix and watch them or they wait until it goes on streaming. So we as people like everybody's saying we got phones, we can shoot cameras Mm -hmm. all we have to do is just flood the airwaves with better content like it's easy to shoot something you can do a series on instagram put it on there and then you have these different companies like lionsgate 
that they're now they're redeveloping their company because now they know that the old days is, is gone. The way that we supposed to get a, a film funding is not the way to do it. Now right. all these companies looking at the new age social media platforms, Instagram, Snapchat to make something, and they're like, oh, snap, that's dope. Let's take it and let's run with it. So as people, all we have to do is just flood these airways with great content. Yes, it's going to be the, the housewives and this and that and bad girls club. Yes, that's something that, sadly, the people want to see. But if we give them a dose of something better, they're like, oh, snap. Mm-hmm. Let me so, work. So what you're really saying is that Insta thoughts really have a future if they just use their cameras in a different way. Well, That's right. I mean, I'm, <laughs> I'm not, just playing. You ain't got to answer that. I'm not going to say that, but, you know, <laughs> I mean, just, like just, just put better content out. And that's really what I'm trying to do. That's why I started, you know, my film festival, second year doing it. I mean, I'm, the reason why I started my film festival is just to bring youth in a great platform to show their work and to basically feel comfortable with each other. Okay, so. so and I, I'd like to ahead. add something, too. It's about parenting. I'm a parent, mm-hmm. too. Mm-hmm. And my son is a little ignorant to, to current uh, hip-hop music. We have Hip-Hop Sundays where I'll put on some Eric B. and Rakim and some okay. old-school stuff like just to classics. educate him about Teach. the good stuff. Teach, preach. So, you know... Her drink is on us. Whatever she's drinking is on <laughs> us. You know, and then, you know, empowering youth. You know, like mm-hmm. Elijah was young when he got a camera. So put the tools in the kids' hands so they don't have to just be consumers. Mm-hmm. They can that. start to be storytellers and creators themselves Absolutely. at a young age. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and are you doing some of that with the 48-hour project? Do you have a kid component to it? We incorporate the kids into... Our, our project is all-inclusive. We have nice. kids as young as 12 years old and adults as old as... I think we're going to have think to participate 80. with Digital Grass. I think you we should totally should. We had, we had Urgent Inc. participating uh, this past year and some other organizations. Okay. So, two quick questions. Can't take a long time to answer them. What's your favorite film? Oh, man. And what's your favorite score that you've heard in a film? Dun, dun, dun. What? Jesus Christ. Oh, wow. My I favorite can start. film? Go ahead. Go Both ahead. of y'all. Go ahead. Go ahead. My favorite film is Daughters of the Dust. I don't know if anybody's seen that, but it is considered an American masterpiece. Um, it was of the Dust? Daughters of the Dust. If you have not seen it, you should go out and watch it. Um, it recently played, it was remastered, and it recently played at the University of Miami's uh, theater. Okay, your favorite um, score? My favorite score. Oh, gosh, That's my favorite score. Um, oh, gosh, The Color Purple. I love the Ooh, score for The Color dang. Purple. Oh, wow. Good oh. one. All right. Elijah, close us out. God, it's hard. Favorite movie? Mm-hmm. I like movies. That's hard to tell a Come filmmaker on, what movie he likes. You see the teleprompter. You know I how know, it is. I we see run it. it on time. Yeah, it's like, oh, man. <laughs> Oof, Jesus. Help me, Lord. Your gut's um, speaking to you. It, it is, but my heart's saying something else. Okay. Well, tell us what your heart's saying. Right. I don't what care my heart's saying? Good. Yeah, what um, your heart's saying. The series of unfortunate events mm. with um, Jim Carrey. Mm-hmm. The way he Let shot that was dope. Yeah. That dope. film was dope. Thank yeah. you. It was dope. All right. And the score? It. Favorite score? Hmm. I, I forgot the song, but I know the score for um for Batman. Which uh Which one? The first with Jack one? Nicholas? With, with the one that Prince with, did? The one that Prince did, right. Because I mean we was about to get real happy if you know if you're talking about yeah, that. Yes, exactly. that one. Okay, we're gonna that go one. with that one. Okay, yeah. okay. We're gonna go with one that Prince did. The one that <laughs> Prince wrote every song right, for a producer. Right. So. right. All right, so uh, Elijah, we know you like that extra ice cold water because you're too young to be drinking. So we'll make. But uh, mm, Kathleen, I what are you drinking? It. I drink tequila. Tequila. Ooh, so somebody buy Kathleen a drink of tequila. 
Now let's go ahead and get to part two. So we want to thank you well, guys we got, for joining wait, us. Wait, 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 hold up, hold up. We got to get up. to the second part, man. We got to go. Time it. We okay, gotta go. well, we gotta I'll, go. I'll save it for later. All right. All right, guys, Thanks. we're going to take a little break while the rain comes down. We'll get Just back to you. Out. Give us one second. Come on, if we get on with the show. I'm ready. I'm just, <laughs> let's get it. We're networking. That's what I'm talking about. See, networking and making things happen. <laughs> Elijah, how many of these people up here you know? <laughs> <laughs> you know the man Marco, right? I know. Yeah. Elijah, your mom is really awesome. I'm going to tell you some of the great <laughs> stuff she did for me, dog. Your mom is dope. Now I know why you're such a cool kid. So we're back with part two of Tech Beats and Bites, Digital Grass, House of Mac, supported by Timeline Brewery, Knight Foundation. Never can say the name. Say cosmology. It. Cosmology. Mm -hmm. What is cosmology? We're going to talk about that because we need to make some commercials. for. We should do a cosmology commercial contest. <laughs> I would love that. We should. We're going to announce Get that at the end of the day. some beautiful... Curly ladies do some awesome Beautiful. things. <laughs> so um, we got now, we're talking about the, we want to get more into the, the, the technical stuff. You guys are big influences in the community, um, big impact. Marco, you know, we got, you got Urban Film Festival. We know about your project, Film Gate, and uh, your interactive has a very much of a south by southwest of the film feel to it. That's what I think about when I see that. Thank you for saying that. Yes, yeah. I, the, I, I picked up on that. I was like, oh, they got they got <laughs> layers to this, like <laughs> interactive. And I'm like, whoa, I might have to take notes. This is when you come with the whole laptop to start typing. So won't y'all tell us a little bit about yourself because we know you, but the audience doesn't. So won't you just introduce yourself and as always, ladies first. All right, cool. Um, I'm Deliana Alexander, and I'm the executive director of FilmGate Miami and FilmGate Interactive, and also the co-founder of the Downtown Media Center, newly minted. So uh, FilmGate Miami is a local nonprofit organization that supports independent filmmakers in all of Florida, the largest filmmaker and actor collective um, so far in the, in the moment. Um, what we do is we want to give Florida a voice, so we support local filmmakers with production resources, with space, with mentorship, with work shops uh, we want more films like Moonlight to be out there to represent us so you're kind of like the the co-working of the film industry uh, I think we're the incubator maybe would be a better probably word probably the accelerator. incubator accelerator Actually, of the she's film industry kind of all three of them right. in yeah, one yeah. <laughs> yeah that's dope it's yeah. uh we got all... so much to learn from the people up here all right that's amazing thank you for coming we appreciate you let's give her a round of applause y'all I mean y'all you don't know how to spot money from afar. See beauty, see money. Go ahead, Marco. <laughs> I'm Marco Mall, the Florida Film House. Uh, There's 15 of us. I got a couple of my partners. I'm a partner, Blanchie's here. All right. Yo, yo, Frenchie. Bio's here. Um, so basically, we're a film production studio right here in Wynwood. Uh, we film a lot of service-based content, and then we also film our own movies that we create and do everything in-house. We also have a program called First Take, where we teach young inner-city kids about film. Mm. And we just um, got three of our short films in the ABFF that'll be playing on Sunday at the Haitian Cultural Congratulations Arts. Congratulations to that. Yeah. What are the films? Give it. You got to drop the names. Yeah, one is Prodigal Son. The other one is ugh, Rumors. You guys got to help me with the third one. What's the third one, Elijah? Elijah was there with me. Ooh, that was yours. Full circle. That was okay. a yeah, full circle. Okay. So yeah, we um so we, we do that in Overtown. Okay. It's cool. We do that quarterly. And then we also have a festival called Urban Film Festival that we do every Labor Day weekend. 
and it's really about educating, exposing, and giving distribution opportunities to young up-and-coming urban filmmakers, filmmakers together total. We'll be looking for our press pass so we can come cover that. Got you, for sure. So we're going to make, not that we didn't ask certain questions for Elijah and Kathleen, but we're going to go a little deeper with you guys real fast because, you know, our main thing is to share knowledge. I got a question now. Me and Self wanted to know the answer to. We were talking about this two weeks ago. How does Netflix really make their money when they're giving out these 10, 20, 60 million dollar deals and people are paying $9.99 a month? Like, what do you think that's doing? I know it's giving a lot of people in the film industry different exposure, but then I see a lot of garbage on there. Like I saw an Adam Sandler movie that I was like, oh, that must have been a part of a 10 movie deal and you just trying to close out the deal. So, what do you think? Let me tell you what is Netflix doing for the industry, or how is it helping? How is it hurting? And how do they actually make money? Well, I mean, my take on it is that Netflix has so many users. I mean, there's like, you know, it's global. It's not mm -hmm. just America. They got hundreds, hundreds of millions of users, probably. I mean, they're up there. And you know, if you're getting a good amount of money from each one of them, you can, you know, you're up. You know, monthly. That's coming in every month. When they do a contract, they do it for years. But has net? I mean, uh, I'm thinking more so from a tech side, and I could be wrong. But has Netflix turned a profit at this point? Yes, they have. Yeah. How profitable is that? I don't know the exact numbers, but I know that. Um, okay. I know that just off of um, the one they did with Pablo Escobar. That mm -hmm. helped break oh, him Narcos. In, yeah, and that helped break them in the other markets, and it made them billions of dollars. Oh. So the um, I. I might add something to the conversation. I was just at Cannes, and the big deal at Cannes at the moment was that Netflix got super booed because they were releasing films at Cannes and at the same time on Netflix. So that was the biggest controversy in Europe because wow. they did the thing where they released them at the mm. same time, and this mm. is so no-no in Europe because they want to release it at the theater first before. Um, and all of the European filmmakers were talking about the fact that Netflix hasn't turned a profit for the last two years. See, that's they don't release any numbers. Nobody knows if they do it or not. The thing yeah. is that they rely on original content, right? right. Mm -hmm. So original content is where I think they're hoping that they will make the users. So it's becoming like a subscription channel. A subscription channel, channel right. Anyway, right? Right. Mm -hmm. So, so it's like a real powerful YouTube is what right. they're really looking. Yeah, okay. pretty much. Yeah. But nobody knows. It's a, it's a very opaque system. So you don't know how many people are watching a movie. You don't be like because they they're not really publicly release, traded yet, are they? They don't release any any numbers. Any no, I don't info. think so. Yeah. yeah, that's like a rapper that said he went platinum, but he won't let the numbers go. And you go. really don't know what's going on in that yeah. bank account. Yeah. But what filmmakers are saying is that instead of Netflix, the bet the best buck for your money is actually Amazon. So if you wanted to do this independent distribution mm -hmm. deal, Amazon would be a better way to go than Netflix in order to get money back. I got you, I got you. Yeah. So um, real quick, I haven't had to do this before. We appreciate the crowd, but if you are at the bar, uh, be respectful of the people that's actually trying to listen in to the content. That's why we're not as loud as we are, so you can actually still engage, but other people can still hear. I promise you, I've never had to do that before. We appreciate you guys being here, but um, honestly, I got a lot of sh to learn today, so I need y'all to be quiet. So uh, going back to what I did. Somebody else. <laughs> so <laughs> with that being said, um, you're talking about like original content and the opportunities to make money. And this is going to be a little bit off topic for you guys, but it's more relatable to your industry. Uh, I was talking to some of my friends that are heavy into the music industry, and I was trying to explain to them 
learn the art of making music that reflects emotions or circumstances so you can start scoring movies and scoring stuff for original content. Can you guys kind of enlighten some people about how broad that opportunity is to make, you know, original scores and or make original music that's for like, uh, you know, commercials, TV shows and movies and things like that? Can you kind of delve into that a little bit? as we like to say on the show, can you unpack that theory right, for us? Right, right. Because David Banner is a good example yeah, he of someone who went from music into doing a lot of scoring. And RZA as well from Wu-Tang. Right, right. Some really good examples. Yeah, yeah. Here we go. I mean, there's definitely a lot of opportunities. I mean, a lot of, you know, music's not monetizing like it used to. And of course, you know, films, you know, content is king, so it's picking up. I, I mean, I find, I find it kind of hard to find, you know, really good scoring, you know, you know, like, because a lot of the musicians, they're used to doing music, and they haven't they, they haven't really translated to that emotion that you're saying. Mm-hmm. Like, it's not about the music, it's not about the beat, it's about the feeling. You know, and um, you know, I think people that are going and studying and that stuff are still have a lead ahead of most of the people that are just from the music industry right now. Gotcha. Now that's gonna change because, like you're saying, they're gonna get it. You know, at the end of the day, they're. Creative, you know? Do you guys understand why I address the aspect of scoring out of everything? And if you haven't figured it out, the next time you're watching TV or the next time you're watching a movie, notice how often there's never dead silence or just voices. And those are the things you'll pay attention to. Um, music itself is a universal language that can enter the soul whether you want it to or not. So when you're watching a movie, You'll, if you start paying attention to it, and a lot of people, when I do stuff like this, they be like, man, I hate that you did that because now I can't just watch a movie. I'm looking at it different. <laughs> when you watch a movie, notice there's, there's rarely dead silence, silence and there's always some kind of sound or music in the background that's actually making the content what it is. So um, that's kind of why I asked that question. But as you guys being two leaders in the film and uh, entertainment industry, um, <laughs> I want. <laughs> we're not filming or nothing. Just gonna get a blow kisses. Um, I just wanted to know what do you think are some of the major elements that's missing in South Florida besides the incentives? And, you know, once again, I'm gonna move past that. We already know Rick Scott messed that up. What's one of the things that we're missing, or some of the elements you feel we're missing in South Florida to make us a a film powerhouse? Because we got the weather, we got the location, we got the people, we got the diversity. What are we missing down here? Um, may I uh, may I go back and answer Absolutely. the music question Absolutely. and an incentive question and yes. go to the third one? Okay, cool. So musically, I think um, it's the film industry is a very kind of nepotistic place. Mm. So uh, once you start working with one composer, oh, wow. or one cinematographer, or one you kind of keep them until somebody else. So it's very hard to break into. But once you prove yourself and somebody loves you, like let's say a director loves you as a composer, they keep using you. Um, so for example, one of my favorite composers at the moment. His name is Roman Jawadi. So he did he did the Game of Thrones score. Oh, okay. But where he really got me was Westworld. Mm-hmm. I literally had that score on repeat and played yeah. it in my you know in my car while I was driving. It was so good. It was so powerful. So I think uh, for people that do music in Miami, um, they should connect to a really talented filmmaker that they like, and they say, "Well, we'll do your first one for free. Gotcha. We'll score your first film for free, like short film, let's say, right? Mm-hmm. And then kind of build that relationship where they will." know that they will always be going back to them because they, they created the first amazing score for free so we for example we do a monthly f- uh, film festival called I'm not gonna move to LA we were talking about this right oh wow uh, right here at Oak Cinema so it's right there okay it happens every month 
Oh, cinema um, every cinema month. I'm not going to move to LA. I'm not going to move to LA. Gotcha. So, I mean, like, it's all in the name, right? Okay. Um, yeah. um, it says so, everything. <laughs> says every, so, we have musicians and composers that come to us and go, like, we're film friendly. So, we have for the first half hour at the screening, we give them the mic and we go, just pitch to the community. We have 120 people in the audience. Just pitch to them, say, I'm film friendly, I do music hire us, you know, like, we'll do it for free for the first time, and then I think that's a, that's a really good way to break into it, and then kind of, you know, cut, cut you, whatever the, like, the cliche is, right, just like, just try it the first time, because making music for a track is very different than composing a score for right. a movie, because you have to kind of follow the emotions, exactly. you know, and, and know when to punch it, timing is everything, yeah, and it's yeah. very manipulative in a great way, right, like, yeah. That's for some, okay, that's for the music, and you that's said you had music. incentives. What I makes me really happy is that, of course, you, you're right, Skeletor. <laughs> I can't wait for him to go. Like, um, so hopefully, in, like, what is it? In two years or three years? Two years, right? Like it's uh, uh, one year. One, they vote one next year. year. Yeah, one he's year out. left. Okay, amazing. Yeah. So we don't know who though. Like we need to know who the film friendly governor is. Mm-hmm. Andrew so Gilliam, that was an alumni of yeah. FAMU, is very film friendly okay. and is a very good guy. So. Um, Andrew? I will be endorsing him right now on Little camera. Plug. Yes. I'm endorsing Little plug. him Rattler. with you. And, and, okay, awesome. Andrew Gilliam. Um, Andrew Gilliam. Yes. Okay, vote for Andrew Gilliam. Yes, absolutely. I'm sure he'll be meeting the community in the next year. He so. came down. He was down here recently. Wasn't yeah, he was down here like, last week. He was Right here? What, at, he was up a little bit further. I think it was okay. in like Margate or something, right? But he was down here. Andrew was down here, so very good guy. Okay, cool. Thank you for the tip. Yeah, yeah so that's sharing um, knowledge. So everybody vote for you know because it's not just about <laughs> voting for Trump or not Trump. Nah, right? it's like about it's, voting yeah, for the things that's really going to affect you. Hundred percent, because that will really affect us locally. Um, but um, the commissioners locally are starting to do incentives. Oh. So for example, the Miami Beach commissioner presented an incentive package and actually got to a vote. So right now the commissioners of Miami Beach are voting to do a local incentive package for Miami Self-born Beach. Self-born record this twice, bro. This is our <laughs> this is our plug. And then this Thursday there's a hearing for Miami Dade. So the Miami Dade commissioner is presenting her package that she's um, and I think it's it's 10%, it's not 30, but still on a million you get $100,000 back. Mm. So it's not a bad one, right? It's a, a start, dollars, like, yeah, it's a start. And it's uh, what's good about it is that 50% of your cast and crew have to be Miamian. So you can't import them from outside. Oh, that's back really in the good. days, right? Oh, that's, that's really important. Cool. Yeah. So um, if you want to support it, show up with white shirts at the Miami Date. Well, like the B. Clark Center, the Clark Center on the, Thursday at okay. 1.30. Right, downtown Miami. White shirt, yeah, downtown Miami and support the film incentive. Because and that's this going Thursday? This Thursday at 1.30. All right, that's, we're going to have to make that a one-minute yeah, clip yeah. and get that information out. Support yeah. that. I mean, yeah. that's very important. That just speaks to local government taking it even more hyper-local. Exactly. And affecting the local community. I think that's fantastic. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Mm. Um, and then to your third point, what are we missing... I think we're missing authentic voices. We have the authentic mm. voices, but I think we're Man, missing... Man, it sounds like the music conversation we had two weeks ago. <laughs> right. Sound real familiar. But it's on film, because, and I love it. Go. Yeah. yeah, everybody wants to copy someone else, like a Quentin Tarantino. I'm like, no, we live in Florida. We have Florida stories. Make right. your Florida stories have your authentic voice. That's the important part, right? So I think that's, that's what will create the next Moonlight, create the... Whatever the next exactly. film is that comes yeah. in and, and wins the next. And award. so before we move beyond that, I want you to answer, Marco. I'm just please, yeah. Anybody in the audience, if you have a question, mm-hmm. in about five or six minutes, we're gonna open up for questions. Let me tell you what normally happens. When we get to the last minute, one person comes up and finally asks the question. Then six more of you will come. Can't do that tonight. Mm-hmm. Trying to keep this down to a certain time. 
because we're trying to submit our content to Netflix and a couple <laughs> other places to get picked up. So if you want to ask a question, when I say we're open for questions, please make your way up because when I close it down, so you'll be right over here. Uh, this is stage left. Make sure that you come over here and ask your questions, all right? So, Marco, go ahead. Continue. I think distribution is a problem. You know, it's, it's let's talk like a, about it. Get yeah. into it now. A lot of a lot of people locally, they go and you know they film, not thinking of where they're going to distribute prior to filming, and I think that's a really big problem because I mean, you know, distribution making money is what we're doing this for. Mm -hmm. That's what that's what allows you to keep doing it. You know, and I, I think a lot of people have a lot of content that's never really monetized. So therefore, you know, you're in the film business, right? So okay. you're not in the business until you actually sell your content. So I think that we need to start, you know, maybe helping educate people on distribution. I mean, I just learned about distribution recently, you know, because I just... So check this out. When can we do a workshop with you two about distribution so people can teach people? <laughs> I mean, you got a schedule. I'm down, you know what I'm saying? Did Leanne leave? <laughs> I think so. I'm down. But Venture Cafe? We'll do it at Venture Cafe. Exactly. Or the downtown media center. <laughs> or very much so the downtown media center right. will uh, open up their doors. So, exactly. uh, so you think the now this is part of why people like me on stage and part of why they don't. Self-born wanted me to tell y'all. Hey, really? uh, don't, don't, don't throw it on self-born all the time. You just gave those self. That's all I'm saying. What are we missing in the, I guess, the knowledge or educational component to understand the value of distribution and just some of these channels that we create? Because I feel uh, we had talked about it even in the music industry and certain things where we're heavy consumers but not creators. And uh, I guess one of the hot topics, we can talk about it now, we kind of missed it. You had a lot of people mad at DJ Khaled for the song that he made with um, Drake. Drake and they were like oh he's still in the Miami music. sound and it's like one none all y'all nobody else was making it right. all y'all were trying to copy the dudes up in Atlanta with mumble rap I mean you could all say he's exposing I mean you know it's, right. it's, so he's looking at it he did what he had to do right so instead of I always say a lot of people complain from the sidelines and never come with a solution. So what are, what's some of the solutions we need to push or what's some of the things that you guys are, I want to say maybe more so aware of, you know, like we didn't know about the commissioners. I didn't know about that. So mm -mm. that's awesome to know. And we'll make sure we put that out and put it on our newsletters or whatever we can because we, we pivoted our company to start making content yeah. because we also felt that South Florida didn't have a voice. Um, so, like, when you think about it, guys heard of the Ricky Smiley show? Mm -hmm. Howard Stern? Mm -hmm. Tom Joyner? <laughs> Breakfast Club? None of that represents what's going on in South Florida. So I, I was literally at a location, um, won't disclose it right now, but I was like, who is the Breakfast Club of South Florida? Like, where's our voice? Where's our image? You know, who's representing us and telling our story? Because we have literally become the laughing joke of almost every political comedian where like uh, even John Oliver last night was like, just imagine how much a better America would be if we just got rid of Florida. And they like literally showed Florida separated from the map. And then it was like, how much better would Florida be if the panhandle of Florida was given back to Alabama, Florida would be a blue state. Like that's how they're looking at Florida right now. Florida is like the laughing stock. So what is some of the knowledge that you guys can share that we can do to make Florida a better location? for all these things that we're going through right now. I feel like we almost need an image revamp. and um, Some rebranding. Yeah, we definitely need to be rebranded. How do we help? 
not just how do we what to do how do we help um, keep making more movies, more documentaries, yep. because documentaries. That's, that's what gets out there. That's, this is a powerful voice. So if we just let Tallahassee speak for us, then you have like a certain voice of Florida men or Florida women, you know, like all that stuff. Yeah. Um, but if you make movies that tell the different stories from the different communities, because every time somebody, I'm Canadian, um, so every time that's somebody... That's why you're so cool. <laughs> Canadians are always cool. Right. <laughs> um, every time somebody comes and visits me from Canada, I, you know, they expect to hate it here. Right. And then I take them to this, you know, amazing places and they're like, Miami is awesome. Like, Florida is awesome. Like, why didn't we know about this? So let's show the world why are we awesome and why we have this amazing right. culture. So we are just missing like a voice. We're missing the visual we're aspect of what. And that just goes back to the whole LeBron thing, taking them yeah. to South Beach. Yeah. Clearly, yeah. Miami's not <laughs> South Beach. Right, right. And the whole retelling of the story and showcasing that we're more right, than Bro, you don't that. even play on South Beach. The stadium right. is in Miami. Like, <laughs> exactly. I remember when uh, Miami Gardens, the Dolphin Stadium, they used to be like, live in South Beach. I'm like, bro, that's Miami, Miami Gardens. Miami Gardens, so far away. <laughs> like, 30 minutes away from South Beach. What are you talking about? Yeah. All right, so we don't have any questions from anybody out there? We got a DJ question. Go ahead, DJ. Yeah. Open them up. I want to know. Well, I just want to hear you guys say what you would like to see next in the industry. I was just thinking that, like, what's the next genre? Like, like, what's missing? Yeah, yeah I got doing. you. This is why we... I was really what thinking, like, what's missing? What's the, what's the next genre? What's right. the content that's missing? It, well, the, literally, I, I, I'll leave it open to what's in your mind, because we're all visionaries. We're always thinking about what's next. So whatever you're thinking about, you want to talk about what's next. What do you, what want, do you to want to see more of? And then what, do you, what exactly. do we need more of that will also make money? Exactly. Let's look at it in two different ways. Because we got young filmmakers in here. So. Right, right. Yeah. Okay, so Wonder Woman is making a lot of money right now, right? All right, shout out to so, the women in Wonder Woman. Yeah, yeah Wonder Woman had groundbreaking. Strong female Florida characters. I would love to see that. Okay. Um, and a sci-fi film, a sci-fi Florida film that does really well. Sci-fi sci Florida. That sounds like That's the name cool. right there. I mean, sci damn. Sci-fi Florida. That heat is sci-fi itself. <laughs> Just oh, <okay>. <laughs> <laughs> the mosquitoes. Look, you do a whole thing. Oh, we could make a, a movie yeah. about like killer mosquitoes. And That's just, what I'm saying. I like they that. They morph and all that crazy shit. Just call it Zika. Right? No, they don't kill you. They change your voice, make you sound different. So when you call somebody, they don't know if you <laughs> one thing or the other. Maybe they you just make, make people. Deep, man. You gotta make it deeper than typical. Um, I see it's raining. I want to get my So <laughs> we're gonna go ahead and uh, wrap this up due to Inclement Brothers, but we want to thank you guys for coming out and uh, supporting Tech Beast and Bites. Actually, Absolutely. we're gonna keep talking, but we're gonna shut down the camera. We want to get the rest of this content, so y'all can listen in. But we're gonna keep going. All right, appreciate you all. This is Tech Beast and Bice here at Winwood Yard with Digital Grass and House of Matt. Thank you for supporting us. We'll be back next week.